welcome back to North of Shy, the Barrett and Warner North Shore podcast. I'm one of your hosts for the day, Eric Schwinger, and I'm sitting here with Ian Robinson. Hello, everybody. Dina Listener. Hello. Catherine Leonard. Hi there. And we have two rock star guests from our Evanston office with us today, Emily McClintock. Hello. And Lindy Goss. Hi there. Thank you both for joining us today. Catherine, I'm going to hand this one off to you to take the lead here. Okay. Since you work with these women every day. These wonderful people. Um, and they are not here by accident. Today's topic is multiple offers, um, the perhaps dreaded multiple offers, but um, Lindy and Emily um, are experts in this area in terms of both um, their, their exposure to having to put in multiple offers and also winning multiple offers. So we wanted to cover both the strategic and emotional sides of this because I've heard you talk about both. And we want to ask you to sort of um, set the table for both the buyer side and the seller side. Uh, I, I expect you have both weary buyers and perhaps confused sellers. So um, if we could just start with buyers, how do you each set the stage for them as to what they might expect? And how do you do that even before the offer is made? So I think that the key thing to do, just like anything else you want to be successful in, is to have a plan and start before you're you're ready to go out and make these offers. You need to talk to your buyers about what kind of market we're in and discuss, you know, really what their what their expectations are for the process. And I think the key is just to establish trust mm. that I think goes a long way because then when you get into these situations, they're going to look to you for guidance and they're going to trust your advice. I agree with you. Our, our styles are very similar. So we will overlap a lot, I bet, mm -hmm. but um, and we want to hear it all. Yeah. And I would say in terms of the, it's sometimes showing is better than telling. So when you start with someone, I think that's what Emily's saying is that you, um, you have to show them what this market is like. It's very competitive and there's components that they have to learn to understand. And so um, setting your plan and then having them look at things even before they're ready to buy so that they can see what a, what the market is like and so they can see this off this house had six offers and then as it closes this off this house went above list by this mm -hmm. percentage and these are maybe some of the components that they had to offer and it's not emotional at that point it's just interesting mm -hmm. they don't want to live in that house mm -hmm. yet and so they the stakes feel very low it's just a, it's market research so i think how we look at it mm -hmm. and then as it gets closer when you take what they want and you try to fit them into the market, you have to start to explain specific components that sellers are receiving and that buyers need to be ready to offer. So uh, two follow-up questions on that. Um, it sounds easy, but I see you both, when, when you say explain the market, you're calling listing agents that they your clients have not bid on just to say, how did it go? Tell me. And that's how you, you do your hard behind the scenes work, right? To know what to tell them. Because it's easy to say, well, you tell them how the market is. Mm -hmm. How do you find out how the market is? Very specific. We deal in facts and specifics. I don't just say it's a busy market. Mm -hmm. We look at something they like, and then we say, well, if you were to have wanted to purchase that house, they received seven offers. And you find that by you calling the yes, listing agent. Yes. Tell me and what happened. It's a collaborative market. Uh -huh. Sometimes you have to wait until it closes. Uh -huh. um, but things can close quickly here. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes that's part of the desire for a seller. 
the, the, some of the components are a little off-putting at first, and that's where it, the slow explanation and the seeing rather than telling, like a lease back. That's mm -hmm. a uh, less than pleasant. Yeah. So let's morph buyers. into that. What it what might, is the to, what does the toolbox look like that you might say you know you may have to do the following? Can you talk about those? Okay. So when you when you do get into starting to talk about strategy when it comes to multiple offers with buyers, there are a list of things you can you can do to make your offer stronger and. One thing is to let your buyers know, let them know that they, they can have the confidence that you have all these tools to give them and explain to them and that we can use and that you've been successful using them. Mm -hmm. And then you go through and, you know, of course, to a seller, price and the closing are always going to be important things, probably the most important things. And then you go into these other um, components that can make your offer stronger such as we were referring to a lease back where you close maybe quickly, like within 30 days, and then you give your this the seller a chance to stay in the property for up to like 60 days. We found that 60 days is the maximum amount of time that if someone's getting a mortgage, they're allowed mm -hmm. to let a seller lease back or it's considered an invest this, yeah right. an investment property by the mortgage company so that's one thing and it's not yeah it's not real desirable for a buyer to want to do that they want to move and get you know into their new home one of the things we we saw it i would say pretty actively last year in 2022 you would flirt with it a little maybe in 21 but by 2022 it was more common. It takes a minute to wrap your brain around it because if you're not doing it in other markets, you're just not aware. And it's it, it can be considered slightly unpleasant because you're paying for it and then you don't live in it. Right. Um, there are in, in the clause in the contract, it is a clause. So that's helpful because then you can say it, it's not when I'm making this up. It's right. real. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, then, and that's where when they don't want something and they find out that the seller got it, they can warm up to the concept, which is, I think, part of this mm -hmm. is as a buyer, are you ready to compete in this market? And, and this is what it takes. And is, or do you still want to be a part of it? And in terms of leasebacks, um, one of the things that's confusing and it helps uh, because the leaseback is based upon your rate, it can be confusing. You, If they rent it back from you, are you going to pick a flat fee? Are you going to do your principal interest taxes and insurance? Mm -hmm. You know, all of this is a little bit confusing. Do you and involve it, an attorney it, to help you arrive at the number? No. What I suggest, and I think Em's very similar, is uh, just take it off the top. Mm -hmm. If you were going to offer them 25 over, and if this mortgage you think will cost you six or whatever, and they're going to stay for two months, take 12000 off the top yeah. and let them stay for free. Yeah. Because if it's between you and someone else, how much down are you putting? What's your rate? They, they're not going to do that math. They're and not, it's yeah, Sunday they, at five. You want you want that house. And so, you know, you don't want a split second decision. You don't want to lose that house based upon that. So make it easy on the seller. And got it. The concept for the seller, it doesn't compute for them to to pay someone else's cost to live in their house, especially if they own the house free mm -hmm. and clear. And then all of a sudden they're paying two months of somebody else's cost to live in their own home. So good point. It used to be called um, delayed possession and it was always just principal interest taxes and insurance and it's just completely changed. And so um, calling it a lease back and explaining that and 
making sure they know all the ins and outs and also just making sure they're able to stay wherever yes. they're living right. for that time period. So setting this up beforehand is so important just to find out where everybody is living, how they're going to deal with the closing, the delayed possessions. It's it's just a lot of, you know, um, talking about it before you get to right. the point where you're making that offer. And the thing that's hard, and this is the unpleasant part, is that as this perception is very different for each side. So the seller, to Emily's point, is that the sellers, if they if they do have a mortgage, it's a small one, and their, their rate is very low. And if they don't, then that's even better for them. And so they want to stay, and the market is giving it to them. The buyer is paying, and they're not living there. <laughs> and so it takes a minute to, to warm up to this concept, but the, it is if it is a desirable property and it's going in multiple offers in this current Chicago land market, you have to know what it is and decide if you want to offer that. And what are some other tools? I mean, that's just, that's, that's so just helpful. Like, that's, that's, yeah. as yeah. is, is pretty common. Uh -huh. You know, if there's seven offers and you're 10 above the next guy and then you, um, you're, you're not getting anything at the inspection. <laughs> They're not fixing anything. Right. So it's better to just admit it. It, some of this is just admitting reality. This is mm -hmm. what we're in. And then um, this is sort of jumping ahead to a, a, um, to a seller side. But imagine that your offer is in a spreadsheet of seven offers. How do you compare? Mm -hmm. So if they all gave as is and you were the one that didn't, um, how does that look? Do you want to be considered competitive? I was just going to – I was just thinking along with this toolbox, um, we were talking – at our coffee, mm -hmm. you know, coffee clutch, coffee clutch <laughs> at our office about just when does, you know, we're not allowed to do these fuzzy letters anymore mm -hmm. with our buyers uh, due to just, you know, all kinds of different reasons. But so we were talking about how the, it really starts when you, when you go to look at a property with your clients and you have to coach them that um, the other agent is there and they're listening and they're mm -hmm. watching mm -hmm. and you need to present your buyer in the best light. And you know this, but you need to coach your buyers a little too, because you don't want them pointing things out in front of the mm. listing agent that might, they may perceive as a problem like, Oh, look at that stain over there on mm -hmm. the ceiling or is that water or is that, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or, gosh, we just had a big flood in our house. Does this house get water? Because we're really concerned about water. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just not that they can't be concerned about these things. We can talk about them another time. But we were talking about how the showing is the letter. And oh. I recently sold a house in, in Wilmette. And the family came in. She brought her brother. And they talked about how they wanted to live in the neighborhood near her brother. And the cousins could all be together and at the same school and um, how this is the neighborhood they've always wanted to live in. And by the time we left that house, this, the listing agent was thinking, these are my buyers. And that's what you, you know, these are the people that are going to be committed to this house, you know, and that's the kind of mindset you want the listing agent to be in so that when you do present that offer, if it's close to another one, if it has some of the same elements, she may say, wow, I really, I not only want to work with those buyers, I want to work with that agent. Right. So we also need to think about how we're presenting ourselves and talking with these agents and 
you know, just making it a positive experience. It's not that you are not, we're obviously representing our buyers and we're having different conversations outside the house and with them before we see the house and while we're making the offer. But while we're in the house, we're kind of on. Yeah, putting your best. That's your letter. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a really, that's really great. It's, it's and right to add to that, you never know who's listening on a Absolutely. device, right? Absolutely. Like the homeowner might yeah. be sitting in their office right. yes, we listening prep, to what you're saying. Yes, we prep them in that way so that they can understand. And I would say in terms of um, being in front of the people, you have to, as a buyer, you have to flip your and think about it as a seller would. Yes, it looks as if they're they're just having this wonderful experience in these offers. They don't want to go through this process twice. Mm -hmm. They're looking as as what Emily said is they're looking for the one that will close them, the mm -hmm. one that's real and isn't writing offers on a bunch of different properties mm -hmm. or maybe doesn't mm -hmm. totally understand the experience. And so you're trying to show them you're serious and you're committed to the house. Mm -hmm. Before we move to the seller side of things, and I don't want to go down a a negative rabbit hole, but I think what uh, agents like you two who sell so many homes are up against is the emotional part of it. You've both, I happen to know, have had buyers who've written many offers and just not one through no fault of yours. It just was circumstances. Maybe your buyers couldn't get there on some of the tools in your toolkit. How do you deal with keeping morale up and, and the emotional side of it? Well, facts, facts really help mm -hmm. so that there's no myths or there's no rumors or it's not opinions. So if someone is willing to pay more than you for that property, that's we, it's just super unfortunate. And the market took it and mm -hmm. the market is a real live thing and it did it and we can't take it personally. And we just have to think that we'll find the right house for you. It's just, it's taking longer than we had wished, but with the lower inventory, it created this this aspect naturally and it's no one's fault and we just have to be positive yeah remain positive and i think stories stories always help in any situation and finding you know your you end up living near family that becomes your best friend or you know there's always a you know there's always a brighter side when you think about this isn't this maybe didn't work out but there's going to be another house. There's always another house. Mm -hmm. And just keep um, keep positive. Yeah. Because it's happening to everyone. Sure. And yeah. so in that yeah. sense, you know, if it's a really special property and they've done a lot to it, there's going to be a lot of people interested. Right. So mm -hmm. we just have to believe that you're going to end up right where you're meant to be. We just will do everything we can to make that happen. But it's, it's normal. And this is where trying to keep it in perspective. If you were the seller, if someone offered the seller... 50,000 more and you were the seller, you too would do that. Mm -hmm. And so we can't take this personally. Well, it's, it's, it asks a lot of you all these days. I think mm -hmm. it's an extra layer of, of work and dog, doggedness. I wish I could hug them. Yes. Send them wine. I'm so sorry. sorry. <laughs> Is there anything that you, in the bag of tricks that you see that people are using right now, is there anything that you would suggest that buyers not do like wave inspection or, you know, are there any, are you seeing anything out there where you think, okay, wait, that's just a little bit too far. Yeah. Waving an, an inspection is not no. a good idea. No. And I recently talked to a new buyer who I'm working with now and they were interviewing agents and someone told them that, is what you have to do in this market. And so 
it's out there. I think maybe some agents are encouraging that, but I don't think it's a good idea. And I don't think we're not seeing a ton of it. No, I so, don't see that you have, it's not something you have to do in our market. We, w I think we'd be worried that you aren't real because that's mm -hmm. the other aspect. Are mm -hmm. you real? Mm -hmm. And so if I saw people make offers sight unseen. Sure. And so then you just think. And as a listing agent, I don't like to see no. that. I wouldn't want no. that person. And sometimes that like if you're, um, you're buying from out of state and you send your mom and your sister, mm -hmm. I've had that. And then mm -hmm. you write an offer to say, I have to remind my seller. And that's where, we accompany our all of our showings so that I can tell you I'm getting pretty mm -hmm. pretty great intel that only I would know if I was there. And so, you know, this is a good offer, but they haven't seen it. Mm. I've, I've had sellers ask me, were both the husband and the wife there? Was one on FaceTime? Was one? It, it's it's brutal. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, yeah. you know, specific. Like they want to know what's going on and who's going to be the one that will actually close. Because we're not decision makers. We just put it out in front of them. So same thing with the buyers. We offer, we say, this is what I'm seeing. And this is what people have done in the past. You have to decide what works for you. So we're not moving. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's a really good segue into the seller side the sellers, of this. Right. Because I think... <clears throat> You know, we often think of the multiple offer situation as being so challenging for buyers, mm -hmm. but it's also not a, a you know, can of corn for the sellers either, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. it's a challenging situation when you're a listing agent representing a seller and all of these offers are coming in and the mm -hmm. yeah. buyer's agents are texting you and calling you and when is this and what's mm -hmm. happening here, right? So, and then, you know, you've got to advise your seller on, you know, all these things you guys just said, you know, well, I got a good feeling about these people. They were there. They spent a lot of time. They did this, they did that. And then, you know, eventually the seller has to decide which offer they're going to go with. And that's stressful for them because what happens if that buyer does bail on them, right? Yeah. So before we get to that part of it, how do you set the stage for a seller when you know in your heart because you're experts that this is likely going to be a storm of offers? Mm -hmm. What do you, how do you set that stage for your seller? Slowly through facts. So if there's a comp that's close by that you used it to price upon, um, then you would say this is the situation they received. Mm -hmm. And I hope that it's the same for us, but I don't know. And this is the part we can control, your marketing, your prep, your staging, mm -hmm. all of that. So let's focus really hard on that step. And then when we put it out there, I'll keep talking to you so you can see. I mean, if you have 15 showings on the first day, mm -hmm. it's a good, good sign. It's an indicator that the market's responding. If you have four or five second showings, or um, we do, and I think this is something we could talk about either way, but with uh, deadlines, mm -hmm. if you start to get one or two offers, and then you set a deadline for Sunday at five, that's a common one or Sunday mm -hmm. at noon or whichever, mm -hmm. then you could say, well, I, we already have one offer, I'm expecting more coming, but it's communication with right. all those mm -hmm. with all those agents. And as you both said, having a plan. Yeah, I agree. I think you definitely need to plan ahead and and plan for maybe a couple different scenarios because I recently just had a sale where we planned for multiple offers. We priced it based, you know, with our best knowledge based on the sales and based on the activity. And we started in the PLN. We had 20 showings the first weekend. And one, one thing that's happening, and I, I see what you think, Lindy, but one thing that's happening is because there's not a lot of inventory, when a house comes on, you're going to get a lot of showings. You may not have 20 
real buyers there. Mm -hmm. They're going to mm -hmm. come look because it's in their price range and it's maybe, mm -hmm. you know, in the area they, there's nothing they, to see, but there's yeah. nothing to see. So then what happened with this house is we had 20 showings. We ended up with one full price offer. And the seller, you know, I had talked to her about this because we had kind of two different price points in mind. And I said, if this doesn't happen the first weekend, we need to discuss like what exactly is going on. Are we at the right price point? How do we move forward? Do we go into the active market? Do we keep the price the same? So we had a full price offer. She was prepared to accept it. She was happy with it. They rescinded the offer. So that's happening too, because these buyers are just moving so fast mm -hmm. and they're, you know, putting these offers together and this one so disappeared. So we sat down, I went to talk to her on a Sunday night. Mm -hmm. I wanted, I went in person. I wanted to sit down with her. This was like, okay, now what's happening. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to reestablish our trust and talk about what we do next. We decided to um, lower the price a little bit. So we lowered the price by, this was a million 25. We lowered it by 25,000. We had another wave of showings. We put it in the active market. Then we had the showings. We did an open house and another weekend kind of blast. And we got multiple offers. Um, and it ended up going over that list price that we had set the second time. So, and she was absolutely thrilled. Like she did not say, I thought it was going to sell at that other price. And she, mm -hmm. because we were communicating all along the way and I was letting her make the decisions, she was completely happy with it. And it ended up being like a perfect buyer for her house. They had grown up in the neighborhood. They were not just looking at brick and mortar. They were looking at everything that goes with living in that particular spot. So that's your story. Now you've collected a story to share with yes. the next person. Yeah. Yes, and yeah. it's not usual for our market, but it ha it's, it's happening. Yeah. yeah, and it's specific. It helps, like with Emily was really specific with her seller. We had this many showings. This is what they said. Because you, you do take the sum of all the parts. You know, we are on... Um, a quiet street, but we have one less bath than the other houses, or we have a smaller backyard. So let's see how the market accepts us. And then the agents will be very specific. We really loved it, but we need one more bath. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's where you can help and say, we didn't, we didn't get what we thought. We mm -hmm. hoped we tried. Now we're going to reassess and, and take advantage of this hot market. Mm -hmm. And luckily your seller was reasonable. Yeah. Well, you're back to your facts and you're also back to your, your fact finding is more important than ever. And again, I go back to the hard work you're being asked to do to contact all the other agents to get those facts to present. It's another layer of work that I think the top agents are doing like you too. Well, it, it goes to me, it goes back to relationships, which, you know, you have to kind of pay attention to those in any kind of a market, but I think the relationships with other agents mm -hmm. are so valuable mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. And we're, you know, we're competitors, but we're collaborative in a way that we are gathering information for our clients and helping each other without, you know, not, we're, we're always representing our clients, but this camaraderie with agents within our office, with agents in other offices, keep, you know, the lines of communication open. 
We do the same thing we did before. It's just we do it in a very short period of time. Right. You always follow it up with, about with the showings and what do they think of it. And the pricing is still the same. It's just it's more a little more challenging right now because of the above list price sales. But we we just do it very in a very short period of time now. It's very so concentrated. Yeah. yeah. So if I could um, ask you to kind of encapsulate what we're talking about, what would be the top three things you tell a, a new buyer? today? I would say before you really need to buy, let's try and do some market research. Are you sure where you do want to live? Do you understand that? Let's, let's learn that current market. Mm -hmm. And then I think the things, um, maybe those certain tools that add and, and maybe you could, because there's a few of them. Yeah. Sure. And then this is what you could choose to offer someone. Mm -hmm. If you felt this was the right place for you. How about sellers? Top three things you'd say to a seller right now. Mm. Maybe just trust the process mm -hmm. and let them know we've been through many different markets and they all have their challenges. This one has a certain challenge as well, but it also has many positives and we can get you through this. We've done it before and we'll make this happen with your house as well. Couldn't ask for better advice. Um, thank you so much. Eric, you want to give your fun questions that we do? Yeah, sure. Are you guys ready for a couple of surprise questions? So we've had you on the podcast yes, before. Yeah. I don't remember exactly which surprise questions we asked. Superpowers. Yeah, if you were a tree, what tree yeah. would you be? Uh, okay. So um, how about this? We'll just do one surprise question today. Uh, hopefully we didn't ask you this one last time. If you could pick a song to be the soundtrack of your life, so what would that wow. song be? And that's a real, I know that's a really yeah. tricky one to hit you. I struggle with this one. I go to a lot of Northwestern softball games. <laughs> okay. We talk about walk up songs all the time. Nice. Oh, we talk about it all the time. I don't know why. I never think about it. But I always think about what my walk up song would be. Um, I guess, I don't know. Um, I mean, this is so cheesy, but probably What a Wonderful World. Oh, oh, sorry, I love it. Oh, not cheesy at we all. We need That's more awesome. of that. Today. Yeah, That's absolutely. Great. I'll take that. I just had one come to mind. Maybe it's for her buyers and sellers, but don't worry, be happy. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's a good mantra for everyone working yeah. in the market today, right? Yeah. Don't yeah. worry, be happy. But again, no accident that two successful agents have that perspective on life right. and, and can take oh, the awesome. long view in the, in the broad view of this business. Yep. Stay positive, so, right? Mm -hmm. So you much both. of what happens out yeah, there is between you. the ears, right? Absolutely. Keep it, yeah. For sure. Keep yeah. it positive. And you project that. So Absolutely. thank you so much. This was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very, very helpful. Here. Thank you. Thank you both. Great information. Thank you guys. Us. Emily, Lindy, thank you so much for coming out today. And uh, we'll see you guys next time on North of Shy.